Hi, and welcome to a special episode of Perspective for Today. Normally, we would be doing our study of Romans, but today I decided that we would go in a different direction. Today, I'm going to be sharing my personal testimony. I believe that testimonies are important. It gives others a chance to hear what God has done in our lives and how He's taken us from possibly the depths of despair and, and brought us out of the muck and the mire and how He's just changed our lives for the better, how He's renewed our mind and our spirit. And I, I just feel that it's important to share that. And I just encourage you that if you get the opportunity to share your testimony, that you would do so. This testimony was recorded last month at Crossroad Community Church in Georgetown, Delaware. So without further ado, here is my testimony. All right, well, Tony, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about where you're from. And uh, I, I think a lot of us know your parents because they're right there kind of watching us. But, um, but, but, but tell us a little bit about your mom and dad. Well, well, some of you heard my testimony before, but today I want to share the rest of the story with you. And uh, I was born in New Haven, Connecticut, and I was raised on the shoreline in a small town called Clinton. My parents both worked full time, but they, they always made time for me and my sister. And uh, some of my fondest memories are the times that we would go out on our boat and we'd just go fishing and as a family. I just like to remember the good times. We had our moments just like any other family. But my parents did their best for us and that, for that I'm grateful. My sister, Laura and I were introduced to God through the Catholic Church. It was a Sunday ritual and it didn't have much substance for me. I remember early on in the service, it was in Latin, so uh, it was like, follow the leader, you stand, you sit, you kneel, repeat. Wow. And uh, so my mom's family lived in uh, Maryland and uh, over towards Trap in Cambridge, over in that area. And we'd go down there uh, to visit, uh, you know, family members for summer vacations. And uh, on several of those vacations, starting when I was 13, uh, one of my uncles took that opportunity to uh, sexually abuse me. It was confusing. It affected me more than I realized. Because after that abuse, I was never quite the same. Uh, I never talked about what happened uh, happened to me with anyone, not, not my mom, not my dad, no one. It was something I just wanted to bury and forget about. And uh, when school started, uh, my grades and my behavior changed for the worse. I became disruptive in class. I would skip school altogether. I started smoking pot, and I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. I became a chameleon, and I tried to be all things to all people. I just gave up my own identity altogether. And uh, I totally lost my sense of identity and my sense of self-worth. I started drinking when I was 16, and I dropped out of school soon after that. As soon as I turned 17, I, I joined the Navy. Uh, you know, I, I got my parents to sign the papers, and at that point, I think they were glad to see me go. Uh, not for the worse, but for the better. And I thought this would be an opportunity for me to get my act together. In a way, it was good for me. But at age 17, with all that freedom, I made some lousy choices, and drugs and uh, alcohol became the norm in my life. Uh, because of my sexual abuse, I felt the need to prove my masculinity as a result, I had numerous sexual partners. I had a sexual addiction that was really out of control. And for me, uh, sex and love became synonymous. They were just one and the same. While I was in the military, I managed to get married three times. 
I wasted no time in popping the question. I hardly knew these women. I just, I just wanted anyone or someone to be with. And as a result of those relationships, I had two daughters by my third wife and a son outside of marriage. I had little regard for the sanctity of marriage, and I cheated on all three of my wives. During my 14 years in the military, I served on five aircraft carriers. I did a tour as a Navy recruiter in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and I was meritoriously promoted to pay grade E6 first class petty officer. Uh, and I only mention this to keep this balanced and a little, a little more upbeat. Uh, after 14 years in the Navy, I was put out uh, on a medical discharge because of my glaucoma. The Navy had been my safety net and it's, it, I grew up in the Navy, uh, but once I got out, my life was no better than when I went in. There was still a void in my life, and I really didn't know how to fill it. After I left the Navy, I moved back to Clinton. The only job that I could get at the time was working at the local McDonald's, and uh, I was grateful to have the job, but I just saw this job as another opportunity to hit on my coworkers. Hmm. My sister Laura was someone I could... could, I could confide in about anything. She knew more about me than anyone else, or at least that's what I thought at the time. And uh, my sister was not in the best of health and was suffering from kidney failure. She was on dialysis for five years, and at age 32, my sister's heart gave out and she passed away. I never blamed God for taking my sister. I just prayed that she was in heaven. My parents lived right across the street from my sister, and it was hard on them just looking across and seeing that house, that empty house. And so uh, they decided to move back down this way, and they moved to Tyaskin, Maryland. And we had like a 50-acre spread down there, and there was two houses on the property, so they lived in the one Nanticoke home, and I moved into the old Victorian home that was, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was a, it was different. There was no insulation. It was cold in the winter. I bought a wood stove and put a couple of ventless gas heaters in there and did, did the best I could. And uh, during that time when I got down there, I, I got a job as a machine operator and, and things were going good. And eventually I got into the IT department and I was working as a system administrator. And, and again, things were going great. And I was in a position of authority and I used that position to fill my sexual needs. My parents were attending an Episcopal church at that time. Uh, it was a small church, so I started going with them. It, it was a small congregation, and it, I became act, actively involved in it. I was a lay reader, and I helped with the food bank, and I set up a website for the church. I still hadn't fully accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and would not pr participate in taking communion because I knew, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't right. And so over time, that slowly changed, and on, until one day, I knelt at the altar. And then I invited Jesus into my heart, and I accepted him, hear me, as my Savior. Savior. I was saved, and I was doing God's will on Sundays and doing my will the other six days. I was still running around, having sex with co-workers, mm. prostitutes, and anyone who would say yes. My life was out of control, and I couldn't or I wouldn't stop myself. I hated who I was. It got so bad that I grabbed my 9mm and I went into the bathroom. I put a round in the chamber and I took off the safety. I put it to my head and I stared at the mirror for what seemed like, like an eternity. 
I wanted to pull that trigger. I wanted to pull it so bad. I hated who I saw in the mirror. I, but fear or common sense or a little bit of both stopped me from following it through. And my life spiraled out of control. And because of my poor choices, I spent three years in the Sussex Correctional Institution. After that, all I had was time. I used that time to get to know my Lord and Savior. I began memorizing scripture. I spent hours in prayer and devotion. I used my time to fill a void that had been there for many years. I had a renewed mind and a renewed outlook on life. I would take advantage of any opportunity I could find to go to the chapel. I wanted to be around like-minded individuals. I was behind bars, but I was free. Every chain had been broken. I was free. There was a, such, such a relief, such a joy that came into my heart in that prison. I wouldn't change that time in prison for nothing. Nothing. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Some people can't wrap their head around that. But I'm telling you, sometimes you just need to breathe. This world can just consume you. It can devour you if you let it. The love of Christ sustained me during that time. While I was in prison, God was quietly opening doors for me. I became a group leader in the Celebrate Recovery Program, which is a 12-step Christ-centered program. It was through that program that I met Pastor Jim Apgar. Pastor Jim was a big influence in my life. And uh, at the time, my parents were still going to that Episcopal church, and they weren't happy there. And so Pastor Jim told me to uh, invite your parents to, to our church, Crossword. And he says, I'll meet him at the Welcome Center, and I'll make them feel welcome here. And he did. And they started coming. And at first, you know, I'll, I'll speak for them, but it was big. It was overwhelming. But the love in this church? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're still here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. At that time... Crossroad didn't have a Celebrate Recovery program. So I, while I was in prison, I started writing to other churches to see if they had a program. I didn't get any responses. It was very disappointing, but uh, as we know, God had other plans. Shortly before I was released from prison, Crossroad started a, a Celebrate Recovery program. And God's timing, <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. And since coming to Cross, Crossroad, I wanted to serve, so I immediately got involved in Celebrate Recovery and eventually became a small group leader. Through that ministry, I was able to see God's hand at work. Lives were being changed for the better. I saw so many lost souls, so many people suffering with addictions and hurts and anger and pride and a laundry list of other things. But lives were being changed through that program. They were. I knew I needed more, so I started seeing Pastor Ken. He became my confidant. He was my mentor. He was my spiritual advisor. And above, above all else, he was a, a good friend to me. And he still is. I started attending a Bible study, which just happened to be led by my friend, Pastor Jim. <laughs> Being with a group of like-minded men, it encouraged me to dig deeper into the Word. And it, it, the fellowship was great. I mean, you know, here's a guy, bunch of guys, and they all got motorcycles, and I had my little Honda, so yeah. That was cool. <laughs> that was cool. I enjoyed that. 
I finally got rid of the bike, but I, the more I talk about it, I might get another one. Let's see. So, Tony, <laughs> real quick, just for the sake of time. Okay. So, right now, right now, uh, awesome story. Uh, reminds me of a small pamphlet uh, that my father-in-law, Pastor Ron Wyatt, many of you guys uh, know, is our visitation pastor here at Crossroad. It's called From Prison to Praise. I don't know if many of you guys remember that or not, but uh, thank you for sharing that. Right now, currently, uh, where God has you uh, in, in a new venture with a podcast. Yeah. Could you just share a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, since the pandemic, you know, I think you all can relate. Let me take these glasses off. Um, there you are. Uh, you know, since the pandemic, there was, you know, there was that void again. There was, and you all can relate. I mean, you know, I didn't go to church for uh, over a year. So uh, I had a website. It's called perspectivefortoday.com. And it was just my personal journal, my own little thing. But God was calling me to make it more than that. So I started a weekly podcast, and uh, there, it, it, it deals with some of the issues from Celebrate Recovery. It's also, uh, it's also a Bible study. Uh, I'm, right now I'm doing a study of Romans, and uh, it's, it's, it's been a blessing to me, and hopefully it's blessed a few lives along the way. Um, also, since the pandemic, uh, Mary and I felt compelled to start helping the, the homeless so I, I had a, a big jar of change, and I, I took the change to Subway, the, the, you know, sub shop. And I says, you know, give me some $5 gift certificate for the change. And so we, we had that, and we had some gospel tracts from a site called livingwaters.com. If any of you have never heard of Ray Comfort, I suggest, and I highly recommend that you check out his website, it's awesome. He's an evangelist. Uh, he does uh, street ministry out in Huntington Beach, California. But no matter what comes his way, whether it's an atheist, a Jew, or you know whatever it is, he's got he's he's got the answer. You know, and he doesn't flinch. Amen. But and, and I remember Brother Eddie sharing a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you guys remember, but but Eddie was saying that he just found whatever door was open. He was like, whatever, God, whatever door you open, I'm walking Amen. through Amen. and I'm willing to do anything and everything so that I can give back right. just like you gave to me. Right. So, but with this homeless ministry, Mary and I were sitting in the subway park a lot. We, we, we didn't have a clue. Where are we going to go? And Mary's, and the, I know this was the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt. Mary's looking, she says, well, there's an, a bridge over there. There must be some homeless people under the bridge. I said, all right. So we got done with our meal. We went and made the right-hand turn to go under the bridge, and the bridge was blocked off. But right next door to the bridge is what is known as the ACE Center. It's a place for the homeless to go and get help. And sitting out there was five chairs, and there's five homeless folks there. And so we got to minister all, to all of them and pray with them. It was such a joy and a blessing. And as a result of that, last Sunday, and I'd like to ask you to pray for this one gentleman. His name is Charles. Uh, he's homeless. He's a man of God. He's his. He's he's got a faith that's leaps and bounds. But yet he's homeless and he's living in an abandoned storage unit, and uh, he's trying to get a job. Uh, he had an interview uh, at a trucking company, and he's able to get to, to there, but they want him to be able to get to Easton and whatever, and he doesn't have a car. So I'm just hoping that some doors will be open for this man. Uh, and, but, uh, yeah. Praise God. Tony, thank you so much. Have you enjoyed Brother Tony and what...
what God has taken and done in his life. It's amazing. Again, from prison to praise, and Tony continues to give. So uh, while I have you right here, there's no better time than the present. Let's just go ahead and pray for Charles. Amen. All right. Well, Father, we thank you so much that you are a God of relentless pursuit. We're so thankful that even though we gave up on you, you never gave up on us. You are so faithful. And so, God, even to someone, Lord God, that from the outside looking in, it might seem like uh, he is homeless. It seems like he has been abandoned. It seems like his life is one of hopelessness. But, God, you are our living hope. Father, I pray that out of the abundance that you have for us, Lord God, even before, Lord God, even more than we can ask or think, it says that you have blessings, Lord God, to overflowing, Lord. And we ask that you would not only give him this job for a trucking company, but that even in that truck, Lord God, that there are some that have beds in it, that you would provide, Lord, a place where he might be able to rest, that you would provide, Lord God, a means and a place where he can hear your word, where as he is traveling, that he might be able to perhaps turn on the radio and you could continue to minister to his heart and his life. Lord, and as he is going from stop to stop, uh, that he can proclaim the goodness of who you are and that he can be a ministering trucker for Jesus. God, the possibilities are endless, but and if you have something even greater in store, may you be the one to open the doors that need to be open and shut the ones that need to be shut so that you may be glorified in Charles' life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. You're welcome. Amen. You've been listening to Perspective for Today, your source for positive and uplifting messages. Just remember, God has a plan and you're a part of it. For more positive and insightful articles, please visit our website at perspectivefortoday.com. Just remember, when you're at a loss, look to the cross. Have a blessed day every day, and we hope to see you soon.